listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Tuesday show for you. We have crowned a new champion in the NBA, a first-time champion with the Denver Nuggets winning Game 5 last night at home against the Miami Heat. We will talk about that. We'll talk about Nikola Jokic's unbelievable playoff run. We will talk about Miami, what went wrong with them. The NBA Finals against the spread gambling streak does not come to an end. It doesn't even pertain to last night's game. What a historic run this was by the Nuggets. The narrative that I don't want people talking about when it comes to the Nuggets. I'm going to spend all day today pretty much on the NBA Finals and this game in this series. And then I'm going to end it with a college softball note, which was totally bizarre that came down yesterday and we'll get to that momentarily so the nuggets win it 94 89 they are your 2022-23 nba champions they win it four games to one do you realize in the last 15 years there's only one nba champion that lost fewer than four games during their championship run. Now there's two. Before, it was just the 2017 Golden State Warriors who went 16-1, and which is complete domination. You realize the Nuggets only lost four games. They beat the Timberwolves four games to one. They lost twice to the Suns. They swept the Lakers. And they won in five games against the Heat, four games to one. The Denver Nuggets won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They won 10 of their last 11 playoff games. Like, this was complete domination. Won the last two in the series against the Suns, won all four against the Lakers, and won four of five against the Heat. 10 and one in their last 11 playoff games. Whereas the Heat were two and seven in their last nine playoff games. So there's so many there's so many things to look at here. And I'll say this right off the bat last night. It was not a good game. Like aesthetically, lowest scoring of the series. The Denver Nuggets shot forty five percent from the field. The Miami Heat shot thirty four percent. And while the Nuggets did shoot 45% from the field, they were 5 of 28 from three-point range and 13 of 23 from the free-throw line. They shot 18% from three-point range and 56% from the line, and they won. Miami just couldn't throw a pee in the ocean. They shot 34% from the field and 25% from three-point range. Made the free-throws, 88% from the line, 14 of 16. But... Jimmy Butler will say nothing happened to him with his ankle. That they just lost. Better team won. I got to believe something was up because from the second he sprained his ankle in game one against the Knicks, he was never playoff Jimmy ever the rest of the playoffs. Even when they won the series against Boston, had some good games. But he was never, oh my gosh, we're in playoff Jimmy mode again like he was in round one against the Bucks, 
first game against the Knicks, turned his ankle, sat out game two, and while they did end up beating the Knicks and they did end up beating the Celtics in seven games, Jimmy Butler was not playoff Jimmy. He was 2 of 12 last night with four minutes left in the game. He was terrible. And then he scored 11 points in a row, and he almost won them the game single-handedly. But still, overall, he was 5 of 18 last night. 9 of 11 from the free throw line. But no, he actually scored 13 points in a row. Yeah, he had eight points. He was two of 12 from the field with eight points. Then he hit, then he hit two three-pointers, uh, got fouled on a three-pointer, which was one of the worst calls you'll ever see in an NBA Finals game, especially in a close NBA Finals game. And then he made four, he was four for four from the line. So he had nine points and then four and then 13 and four free free throws 13 points add that onto the eight finished with 21 had the last 11 points for them but it just wasn't a great game yesterday so many missed shots I mean brick after brick after brick for Christ's sakes the Miami Heat missed 63 shots <laughs> like they were 33 of 96 from the field and I mean Nine of 35 from three-point range. Like I said, the Nuggets were five of 28. Nuggets missed 10 free throws. They were terrible last night from the line. But Nikola Jokic, with an unbelievable postseason, finishes off with a 28.16 rebound performance. Only had four assists because his teammates couldn't make a shot. Goes, gets all 11 votes for the NBA Finals MVP. And this is the best player in the world right now. And there's no disputing it. Nobody can touch him and what he does. And as I talked about yesterday, this is a very young team. They've got a good young nucleus where look what's going on in the West right now. I mean, granted, the draft is next Thursday and then free agency begins. So there's teams in the West that might get way better. But as of right now in the West, you've got the Nuggets, who just completed a 16-4 and postseason run, best postseason run in the last 15 years outside of the 2017 Warriors. Good young nucleus, a two-time MVP who just won Western Conference Finals MVP and NBA Finals MVP. A stud in Jamal Murray. A really good coach in Mike Malone. And now look at the rest of the West. Who the hell knows what's going on with Memphis? The whole John Morant situation is probably going to get suspended for half a season. The Lakers, we don't know what's going to happen with them. The Mavericks, we don't know what's going to happen with them. Sacramento Kings, can they take the next step? Are they good enough defensively? Phoenix Suns, looks like they're going to get rid of Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton this offseason. How good are they going to be? Like, every other team in the West is in flux except for the NBA champions. It's why they're already the odds-on favorite to win next year at 5-1. to one. Boston Celtics are f- uh, 550 100 wins you 550, and the Milwaukee Bucks, 100 wins you 600. But right now, Denver Nuggets have the lowest odds to win the NBA title next year, and I think it's a good bet. Granted, things are going to change over the next two weeks. Teams are going to get better. There's a good chance, rumors swirling, that Miami's going to do whatever they can to get Dame Lillard. I would think a threesome of Dame Lillard, playoff Jimmy, and Bam Adebayo, that's a pretty good team. They're a top three team in the East, no doubt. I don't think they go 44-38 and 38 in the regular season with those three on the team like they did this year. 
But then, you know, what are you going to have to give up in return? I, there's so many things that can happen. So we're going to – the NBA offseason is so exciting now because it never it never used to be. Now, I, I mean, teams trying to build super teams, players being friends with players, getting them to come play with them. It's going to be a lot of fun going over all this stuff. But last night's game, just not a great game. <laughs> it just wasn't. 94-89, lowest scoring finals. Uh, lowest scoring game in the finals this season uh, by a lot. I mean, that's only 183 points. Before that, the lowest scoring game was 197. I mean, this was almost 15 points, fewer points scored in this game than any other finals game this season, uh, in, in this series. So I think there's a lot, of, there's a few things to talk about here. Obviously, Nikola Jokic, I talked about this yesterday, and I, I was reminded of this when I was looking at Twitter last night. Remember at the All-Star game where I think LeBron and Steph were the captains, right? You each pick – you know who your starting five is going to be. You just get to pick them. Nikola Jokic, remember? Dead last. Sitting there by himself on the stage because nobody picked him. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Not because they don't think he's any good, but because his game doesn't translate to any sort of sexiness or – you know, up and down the court like an all-star game is. Well, the all-star game's a joke. We all know that. We talked about that back in February. But just funny to think that a two-time defending uh, reigning MVP was picked last in the all-star game to start of the 10 starters. Yet here he is just dominating teams in the postseason. And what he did this postseason is pretty crazy. Bill Simmons of The Ringer had a great stat where he talked about the 50 club. Points, rebounds, and assists, averaging over 50. If you add up your points, rebounds, and assists, you had to make the finals. So for a whole playoff series, you averaged over 50 points, rebound, assists added up. Bill Russell did it four times. Wilt Chamberlain did it twice. Julius Irving did it in the ABA. I'm not even counting that one. Kareem did it once. Jerry West did it once. Elgin Baylor did it once. And then the only two modern-day players to do it, LeBron in 2018 averaged 50.8 for the playoffs. Jokic, 52.9 this year. So that means the last person to do it was in 1974, was Kareem averaging 52.9 points, rebounds, assists in a playoff series. That's almost 50 years ago, 49 years since we've seen someone go 52.9. LeBron did it 44, uh, you know, it was 44 years since anybody was in the 50 club in the playoffs when LeBron did it in 2018, and then Jokic did it this year. That's an unbelievable stat. Gosh, in 1964, Wilt averaged 63.2. Now, granted, we can we can have this discussion until we're blue in the face. Sorry, different game back then. He wouldn't come close to touching that if he played in today's game. But, you know, we can't take it away from him. He did it, 63.2. And then the two other time he did it was 59.8. He averaged in 1967. But it's, it's an interesting stat, and it's only been done twice <laughs> in the last 49 years. So that shows you how impressive it is. I want to give the Denver Nuggets all the credit in the world. And I hope that there isn't any narrative today. I know that talking heads have to come on TV and have to pick a side 
and get some clicks going and get some interest going, there's going to be somebody out there, probably someone like the moron that is Skip Bayless, probably him, that'll be like, great, who did they beat? I guarantee it's coming today. Somebody's putting it out there. Who did the Denver Nuggets beat to win this title? They beat an eight seed. Well, when you're the one seed, you play the eight seed. There's nothing they can do about that. That's not their fault. They beat the four seed in the second round. When you're a one seed, you play the winner of the 4-5 series in the first round, and the 4-5 winner was the Suns over the Clippers, so the Nuggets played them. Once again, they can only play who's put in front of them. Now, the one time they did skip in the Western Conference, the team that would hold the form would be when the Lakers beat the Memphis Grizzlies and they beat a seven seed to get to the NBA Finals. However, anybody that watched the Lakers this season, as I was saying it as we were ending the season, I said, I think the Lakers are the second best team in the West. So just because they beat a seven seed, don't look at the seeds. We all know the Lakers were playing better than any other team in the West besides the Denver Nuggets come the postseason, and that's why they got to the Western Conference Finals. Now you can say, well, they didn't have to beat Giannis. They didn't have to beat Tatum and Brown. Is that their fault? Giannis had his chance to beat the Miami Heat. He went out in five. The Boston Celtics had their chance to beat the Heat. They had game seven on their home court and got blown out by 18. So don't tell me the Denver Nuggets beat nobody to get to the NBA Finals. Give them their proper respect. Yes, in the West, they beat the four seed, the seven seed, and the eight seed. Well, the four and the eight are teams they would have had to have played anyway, being the number one seed. They can't control that the Miami Heat ran rough shot over the Eastern Conference and sent Jalen and Tatum home and sent Giannis home and sent the Knicks home. That's not their fault. So, please... Don't even bring that argument around here, yet I know it's coming today. Somebody in the media is going to run with who did they beat, and is this really a great team? Oh, they could never beat the Warriors of 2018. Well, they're never going to play them, and actually a good nucleus, this nucleus of Jokic and Murray has played the Warriors in the playoffs and did lose, but I'm not going to sit here and debate what who would have won between the 2017 Warriors and the 2023 Nuggets or say this is the worst team to ever win an NBA title. That's just it's just wrong, and it's disrespecting a team that just won a title, their first title ever in 47 years as a franchise. Like, do you have to go immediately start shitting on them and saying they're not any good and they're one of the worst teams to ever win an NBA title? I don't think so. It's a really good team. It's a really good team. They went 16-4 and four in the playoffs. That was dominant. Won a lot of their games by a lot of points. Average margin of victory, one of the best ever in a playoff run, an NBA title run. So don't even give me this with they didn't beat anybody. Now, here's something that I found interesting when I looked at the Miami Heat. Because we were saying this when the Miami Heat were going through the Eastern Conference and dispatched of the Bucks in five and then the Knicks in six and then the Celtics in seven. We were just like, where is this coming from? This team went 44-38 and during the season. They were one of the worst offensive teams in the NBA during the regular season. And then remember at the beginning of the playoffs, I'm like, where is this offense coming from? Look at this team. 
you know, look at the in the five games that they beat the Bucks. Their point total: one thirty, one twenty two, one twenty one, one nineteen, one twenty eight. This is from a team that was literally bottom five in the NBA in offense this year. Then in the Knicks series, 108, 105, 105, 109, 103, 96. So it took them 11 games in the playoffs before they scored less than 100 points in a game. And that was game six against the Knicks that they won 96-92. And then every game against the Celtics, outside of two, in the seven games, they scored over 100. 123, 111, 128. Then they had 99 and 97, 104, 103. Here was the difference in the NBA Finals. So I just read you three times that they scored under 100 points in all of the playoffs before the NBA Finals started. One of those games they had 96, one they had 97, one they had 99. So they were right there. In the NBA Finals, the Miami Heat lost four of the five games. In the four losses, 93, 94, 95, 89. The one win they had, 111. So you can say, and this is this is coming against a Denver team that was not one of the best defensive teams in basketball. It would have made sense if you were like, wow, Denver was always, this is just Denver playing Denver basketball. No, they weren't that great in the regular season defensively. They were like middle of the pack. So for them to hold Miami to 93, 94, 95, and 89 points in their four wins, you could chalk it up to one of two things. Denver was just bigger or Miami just finally hit a wall. Because when I watched the games that they lost – they seem to be getting the same exact shots they were getting against the Bucks, the Knicks, and the Celtics. They just weren't going in. Same three-pointers. The one game they won, 111-108 in game two, remember? They hit 18 three-pointers. They didn't come close to hitting that many in any of the four losses. So this was a team that literally had to score. Offensively, they had to be great. And for three series, they were great. <laughs> you know? Seven, six, five, so 18 games. They had 15 games over 100, and the three games they didn't were 96, 97, and 99. So I don't know what Denver did because it seemed like Miami was getting the same shots. They definitely slowed the pace down, but all the more credit to the Denver Nuggets for winning this thing because they really shut down a Miami team that offensively while they weren't good during the regular season, they were great in the playoffs. Great. So you just you can't take away anything from the Denver Nuggets in this series. They are your NBA champions for a reason. And finally, just want to end with this. Just when I didn't think I'd talk college softball until next May or next June, Oklahoma, the three-time defending national champions. Remember? Talked about their best player, their best pitcher, Jordy Ball, one of the top pitchers in college softball. She's won a national championship in her first two seasons. She entered the transfer portal yesterday. Only a sophomore, has played for Oklahoma for two years, has a 1.00 ERA, arguably the best pitcher in college softball, two national championships under her belt, and she says she just wants to go play at home. So it looks like she's transferring to Nebraska. She grew up in Papillion, Nebraska, she says she wants to go home. And the quote was, she's decided to play the game that I love, closer to the things that have made me who I am, 
and that have always been more important to me than this game. So, I mean, you can't falter. She wants to go home and play. She can't. It's just a shocking, shocking transfer. She's 44-2 and with 15 shutouts and an ERA of one in her first two seasons in college foot and softball. Won a national championship both years, arguably the best pitcher, and decides to transfer. Now, she's transferring to Nebraska, which, while they are in a different conference than Oklahoma, Nebraska's in the Big Ten, Oklahoma is in the SEC, or will be in the SEC, and, and they're, right now they're in the Big 12. But, I mean, that's she's, she's a former national player of the year for Gatorade, consensus number one ranked recruit. And Nebraska has never won a national championship and last reached the Women's College World Series 10 years ago in 2013. So, look, Oklahoma's definitely going to miss Jordy Ball, for sure. They still return four other All-Americans, including pitchers Nicole May, who, by the way, went 18-0 and this year with a .91 ERA. I mean, they're going to be good. They're probably going to win another national championship. It just is surprising to see something like this. It's not like she's mad or anything like that. She just wants to play closer to home, and you can't falter for that. But this is like the equivalent of, I mean, someone said it online on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, so I, I can't remember who to give credit to. But they were saying, like, this would be the equivalent of the Alabama quarterback leading them to a national championship and then just deciding, I'm going to go play for Auburn next year. Now, I don't know if there's that big of a similarity or that big of a rivalry between Oklahoma softball and Nebraska softball. I don't think there is because – there is no rivalry here when Oklahoma is dominating the sport right now. They've won six of the last ten national championships, and in those ten years, Nebraska hasn't even made the Women's College World Series. So maybe it's not that extent, but the best pitcher in all of college softball leaving a two-time defending national champion just because she wants to go play at home, that's a big story. Um, but she's allowed to do whatever she wants to do, so congratulations uh, to Jordy Ball. But my gosh, it's a... I'd say that's a pretty big loss for the Oklahoma Sooners, even though they're still stacked for next year. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe in Apple Podcasts. It's the best way you can support this podcast. Also, rate and review if you so please. And thank you for listening. Please listen every day. Pass this along to your friends and whatnot. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with yet another Daily Roundup. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. Please.